Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace. For the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee. Spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel. From Franklin to the nations of the world. All for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. Well, if you're joining us for the first time today, we're in a brief sermon series called After Easter. And what we're doing is looking at the appearances of Jesus to his disciples and to others that take place in the 40-day period that goes between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Uh, When he was writing to the Corinthians, Paul said these things were of first importance. It was part of the gospel that he delivered, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to his apostles. And so we want to take to heart these appearances, what's going on in these. So we have Jesus today in particular interacting with Simon Peter. And I want to unpack some of what's going on in in this for you today. And I just want you to know right at the outset, this this, this is not a very good sermon if you're a really good Christian. But if, like me, you're not very good at it, this is a possibly really helpful sermon, a good sermon for bad Christians. And for those of you who are considering the claims of Jesus, I want to introduce you to a particular dimension of Jesus' heart and character for broken, failed people that you might not have ever seen before. The reading picks up in really the middle of the story. In verse 15, it says, when he had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon and so on. Well, what are they doing having breakfast? What's going on? Well, I got to set the table for you a little bit here to have the breakfast. In chapter 21, verse 1, it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's another name for the Sea of Galilee. So the disciples now are not in Jerusalem. They're up in Galilee. They're by the Sea of Galilee. That's where the story of Jesus' work with James and John and Peter and his brother Andrew, that's where all that story begins. You'll recall that Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. He sees those men mending their nets and by their boats, and he says, come, follow me. And they left everything to come and follow Jesus. That's where they're grand adventure of being followers of Jesus begins. They're back. They're back there by the Sea of Galilee, and Simon, who had made his living on the sea, said, I'm going fishing. Many of those disciples say, we're going with you. So off they go. They get out. They fish all night. That's the right time to fish, but it's a, it's a, a futile endeavor. Nothing is caught. But in the morning, as they're getting ready to wrap things up, and dawn is breaking over the Sea of Galilee, they see a shadowy figure up on the shore. And that figure, who they don't recognize, they can't really see, says, uh, Do you, did you catch anything? Do you have any fish? And uh, they said, well, no. And uh, he said, well, put your net over there and see what happens. So they, they throw their nets in, and 
the, the, the nets fill up, a great catch. And one of the guys in the boat turns to Simon and goes, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Simon gathers up his, his clothing and wraps himself up and throws himself into the sea. He's going to swim ashore. He's not going to wait for all of the, the rowing in. He's going right in. He wants to be there with Jesus. When he gets there, and when the boats come in, uh, they, they pull in the net full of fish. Simon Peter himself pulls it in. 153 fish, it says in the text. This was a tremendous catch. And um, one that was so large, it would have certainly made a tremendous economic difference. And Jesus already has fish grilling. You can imagine the beauty of that moment. And he has bread. He has bread, he has fish, and he sits down with these men early in the morning and he says, let's have breakfast together. So they sit down. And it's in the middle of that breakfast wrapping up bread and fish and a miraculous catch of those fish there on the Sea of Galilee that Jesus turns to Simon for a conversation. So let's, let's talk about what's taking place. They're right back where the story began. That's the first thing. Secondly, he's handing out to these disciples bread and fish. John's gospel tells us in chapter 6 about that moment when in the wilderness, Jesus took five loaves and some fish and broke them and fed multitudes. They saw in that moment, that morning, the recollection of that miracle, that miracle of Jesus feeding and caring for the multitudes. Jesus feeds his people. And uh, in that moment, back at the beginning, they see as well this remarkable catch of fish. That's why the man in the boat said, that's the Lord. Because in Luke's account of Peter's calling, there was a great catch. Jesus had borrowed Peter's boat and for, a, for preaching, and uh, he said, all right, let's go out and catch uh, some fish. And, and uh, Simon Peter said to him, you know, we've been laboring all night and didn't catch anything. This is in Luke 5. And Jesus said, well, let's just, let's just go out and see what happens. Again, tremendous, miraculous catch of fish. So what's happening here? Jesus is bringing a failed disciple. The disciple that denied him, the one who followed him from a distance, the one who denied even knowing him and denied him three times, finally with a curse. And he's bringing him right back to the beginning. Because, you see, Jesus is the Lord of failed disciples. He's the one who is merciful and gracious to failures. If you're perfect, if you think you've got it all together, you may imagine that you don't need a savior, that you can do this. Even as a Christian, you can think, well, yeah, I acknowledge that 
you know, I need Jesus to forgive me for the really bad things, but, you know, I, I'm pretty good at this Christian thing, and I can just do this. That kind of bravado, that kind of self-confidence was in Peter. When Jesus, only a few days before this, had sat down with them in Jerusalem on that fateful night and said, with another meal before them, one of you is going to betray me. Simon Peter said, they may all do that, but I won't. Jesus, I won't fail you. You may feel like that today. You may feel like the kind of person who says, I'll never let the Lord down. I'm going to live my life with such zeal and such commitment that even if, even if everyone else abandons the cause, if everyone else gives it up, well, well I would never do that. I, I don't even like that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I never feel prone to wander. I don't even know why anybody sings that song. I'm a pretty good Christian. Well, if you're a pretty good Christian and you don't really have any sense that you're in any kind of danger of your own pride getting the best of you, then you can tune out, fast forward through the rest of the message. But if like me, and like a lot of people in the Bible, you know that it's only by God's strength and only by God's mercy that you've not only become a Christian, but you're still a Christian and you'll be a Christian, then I want to invite you to pay attention because his name here is important. There's a kind of toggling back and forth in the text between Simon and Peter. Simon's his birth name. It says in the text in the ESV, Simon, son of John. You hear that over and over again, Simon, son of John. But the Hebrew is Simon bar Jonah, the son of Jonah. Jonah, the prophet. What did Jonah need? Jonah needed a recovery after he had gone away from the Lord. God had given him a commission. I want you to go to Nineveh. And, and Jonah, we don't have time to go this morning into all the reasons that that occurred. Uh, got a sermon series on that uh, called uh, uh, deeper love, and I hope you'll listen to that sometime if you've never have. But but uh, Jonah goes, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to flee as far away from God as I can. And of course, you know what happens. Jonah goes down into a ship, and then he goes down into the deepest part of that ship, and then he gets thrown down into the ocean, and it ends up down in the belly of a great fish until he cries to God, and then this fish gives him up and. Jonah gets on with the commission and brings the word of the Lord to the Gentile world. And here's Simon, the son of Jonah, the prophet that was given another chance. Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Why does Jesus in this text, why does Jesus in this text Ask Simon three times, do you love me? Now, I want you to notice 
a tenderness with Jesus, which is tough. It's a very confrontational compassion. Jesus doesn't simply let Peter's multiple denials of him go by without any acknowledgement that that occurred. Jesus had told him that it would occur. And then he said said to him this remarkable promise, I've prayed for you so that your faith won't fail. And when you've returned, strengthen your brethren. I'm not done with you. That's That was all before it happened. Jesus knew he was going to blow it. He knows what's in our hearts, even when we don't know what's in our hearts, when we lie to ourselves about everything that's inside of us. Jesus knows. And so it all comes out. All of the arrogance, all of the anger, I'll do this. And then all of the fear, all of the pride, all of the fear come out. And three times, Peter denies Jesus. Three times, Jesus asks him, do you love me? On the third one, Peter's response is interesting. He says, Lord, you know. You know. It's a way of kind of saying, only you know. The interesting question is, Peter, do you love me more than these? What does he mean? More than the fish in the boats? More than the old vocation, the old way of life? Do you love me more than what you used to do? Well, it's probably more than all the guys sitting right there because that's the claim he'd made. Lord, they may all, they may all fall away, not me. I'm, I'm with you. Really? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Well, Lord, only you know. And then Jesus says to him, very precious words, follow me. Jesus commissions Peter. He commissions him after giving him breakfast, after renewing that feeding miracle and that fishing miracle. He says to Peter, I've called you to feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. I'm commissioning you. You follow me. Can you imagine having failed as the son of Jonah had failed, and Jesus says to you anew, follow me. Not just just forgiven, but follow me. Walk with me. Be my servant. Feed my people. Take care of them. Follow me. You see, what Jesus deals with here, by having Peter own it, by having Peter face it, he deals with his shame. What keeps us from following the Lord? Here's one, shame. Shame about our past. You know, I'll I'll just tell you that the majority of people, the majority of people will not despise you because of your sins. They'll despise you because you lie about it. Because you cover it up. But covering it up is what we do when we blow it. 
It's what Moses did when he killed an Egyptian. He knew God had called him to free his people. He thought he could do one Egyptian at a time with a stick. So he struck down the Egyptian and he, he covered him over with the sand. And what happened? Well, what happened is there was a few days later a hand sticking up through the sand. Because you can't actually hide everything that's occurred. And it led to the banishment of Moses, his exile out on the backside of the wilderness. He ended up working in his father-in-law's business for 40 years there until he saw a bush that was ablaze. And the God who said to Peter, follow me, said to Moses, come, I'm going to send you because this is the God of Jonah and the God of Moses and the God of Peter and our God, the God who keeps picking up called servants who are failures. And by having Simon say three times, yes, Lord, I love you, and only you know, he's dealing with the past, putting all the shame away. I want you to hear this today. If you acknowledge your sins and your failures, it's not only the glory and the wonder that you're forgiven. It's this, that God The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God of Esther, the God of Mary, the God of Peter is your God. And he not only forgives you, he invites you to follow him, to go with him in the way, to walk with him. But there's something else that will keep you from from following because once you've been humbled like that you are aware of brokenness and you're walking with a limp and so Peter looks around the circle what about these other guys he turned and he saw the disciple Jesus loved following them the one who had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, uh, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What's going to happen to him? You see, Jesus had just told Peter about his future. He said, you know, Peter, when you were young, you just went wherever you wanted to do. You had strength. You just did whatever you wanted. When you're old, people will take you where you don't want to go. And they'll stretch out your hands. It says in the text that he was telling Peter about his, his death, the kind of death Peter was going to die. This text is written after Peter's death. It's written after the death of the writer of the Gospel of John. These are disciples looking back on how these lives turned out. Peter did follow Jesus all the way to the end. And in church history, what we hear is that Peter was crucified like his Savior, but upside down, which was something the Romans did do, upside down. There across the Tiber in Rome. What about this man? And Jesus said to him, what if if I want him to live until I come? 
What is that to you? When Peter heard what was going to happen in the, in the future, he wanted to know, well, what, what, about, what about these guys? And Jesus said, what happens with everybody else? That's between them and me. You follow me. Again, he says to him, follow me. Having dealt with his shame about the past, Jesus deals with Peter's fear about the future. My friends, whether you're wrestling today with shame about what has happened or fear about what might happen, because we're all living in seasons of uncertainty, and when your own heart is exposed and you see, you see what's inside of you and you know that you've got Simon, son of Jonah tendencies and your words and your attitudes and your actions have said, I deny him. And you're wondering whether or not God can use you. And you're wondering whether or not in the future he will keep you. Jesus says to you what he said to Simon Peter. Follow me. Follow me. And my friends, that's what he did. He followed him. And the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit anointed him and carried him. And he became someone who only days after this fishing expedition would lift up his voice back in Jerusalem in the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and say, this Jesus whom you've crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And when people heard this man preach, In Jerusalem, they repented just like the people that heard Jonah preach in Nineveh. The God who brings prophets back to himself, the God who sends his spirit on failures, used this man to stand up in that city and thousands were swept into the kingdom. My friend, today I'm telling you, you can be a person no matter what's happened in the past, And no matter what fears you have for the future, you can be the person that if you will hear Jesus say to you today, follow me, and you will say, Lord, I will. I will follow you. You become someone that God uses to change the world where you live. And I want to pray for that to occur. Because Jesus is the one who came back from the dead. He came back from the grave. He rose again. And he has ascended to the right hand of the Father and poured out the Holy Spirit. That same Savior will use you to serve him. Let's pray for that, shall we? Our gracious God and Father, we thank you that you take the sons and daughters of Jonah. You take us in our failures. You take us in all of the, the troubles that we have, our shame about the past, our fear about the future, and you bring us to these places where face-to-face you decisively deal with each of those liars 
those lies about the past, those lies about the future, and you silence them with a word of grace. Follow me. And so, Lord, we, we say to the wonder of your mercy today, we will follow you. We are yours, O Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you, my friends.